1: Jesus, if I die upon a foreign
0: Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray Greenlee from the National Prayer Chapel. Dante talks about seven scars. These scars are spoken of by others as well. Solomon had the same scars also. He said, These six things doth the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto him. And again, When he speaketh fair, believe him not, for there are seven abominations in his heart. John Bunyan had the very same number at the end of his book, Grace Abounding. He wrote, I find to this day these seven abominations in my heart. And then John Bunyan is bold enough and humble enough to actually name his scars for the comfort and encouragement of his spiritual children. Now, what are your seven scars? What are the seven abominations that rest in your heart? What are the six things, yea, seven, in your heart that the Lord hates with pure hatred? It's almost our whole salvation to ask and answer that question. Because it is a law of devils. It is their diabolical nature. It is the first principle of their existence and indwelling and possession of a man. Now they don't want us to see it. It's there. All the seven devils are in every man's heart, every woman's heart. But they don't all rage equally in every man's heart. And not all the time do they rage. Pride Envy, anger, temperance, Lycivishness, covetousness, spiritual sloth. These were Dante's seven scars on his sanctified head. Which of us have not had to struggle with these seven scars ripped into our soul by the devil. The chief that I have had to struggle with all of my life been pride, envy, and anger. Those three seem to stand with their arms wrapped around one another. Envy feeds the pride, pride feeds the envy and both pride and envy feed the anger and anger only makes more real the pride and envy these are things we must deal with and there is a story in the scriptures of a man who seemed not to have to deal pride envy, or anger. He is a most unusual man. He is not a man who puts himself forward. He is basically ignored by Matthew, Mark, and Luke. They do not mention him. His only mention is very brief in the book of John. This man... He had such love in his heart for Jesus. But it was a silent kind of love, if we can call that an air in his soul. He didn't have his sisters go to Jesus and ask that he could sit at the right hand or left hand in the kingdom of God. He was not interested in power. He was not interested in being seen. He humbly went about his business, whether it was chopping the wood or cleaning the house, sustaining his family with an income. He seemed to be from another place. He probably, of all of the men in Scripture, is most like Jesus Perhaps that's why we hear almost nothing about him. And when we read the 11th chapter of the book of John, even though the whole chapter in glorious reality is about the man Lazarus, our whole attention seems to slide off of Lazarus and focus on Mary and Martha. But the hero the hero of the 11th chapter of John is Lazarus. And the name Lazarus means God has helped. Oh, I want to be like Lazarus. The scars of pride and envy and anger. They come and And as long as they rule, it is impossible to be a man like Lazarus. Lazarus lay sick in bed. There is no indication that he said to Martha, quickly send a messenger to Jesus, but I suspect from reading the 11th chapter of John, Lazarus would have said, don't bother Jesus, he's busy. But Martha sent that message, Lord, the one you love is sick. Now, what did Martha mean? Did did Martha mean Mary is sick? Because Jesus loved Mary and Martha. Lord, the one you love is sick. No, when the message reached Jesus, there was no question in Jesus' mind who this had reference to. Jesus was moved with love for Lazarus because Lazarus' heart was moved deeply with love for Jesus. When the message was shared with the others, Jesus said, The sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. He loved all three of them. But when the message was sent, Jesus knew it was about Lazarus. Now he stayed two more days where he was. It was necessary for Lazarus to die. Now please, would you be willing to die to bring glory to Jesus Christ? Are you so loosely holding your life that you don't have to be somebody? You don't have to accomplish something. You hold so loosely to your life that your love for Jesus engulfs your heart so that you only see Jesus. You don't see the cost in your own heart and in your own life. and so struggling with this. Can I be very frank and honest with you? All my life, I've held tightly to my life and said, I want to do something. I want to be something. I want to accomplish something. And now, when I come to the time of dying, let me be able to recount the things that I have been able to accomplish with my life. I have become a great preacher. I've become a great teacher. I've become a great servant of men. I've been... No. None of that was in Lazarus's heart. Lazarus lay sick on his bed. I'm sure he turned his face to the wall... And he did not weep and cry before God and ask for 15 more years of life. He was holding very loosely to his life. We're told in religious literature post-time of Lazarus that he became a bishop. The Orthodox Church venerates this man Lazarus. They hold a four day feast every year for him. They say he was a martyr. But now he lays sick. And the reference is the one you love is sick. And Jesus very plainly says, No, this is not going to end in death. This is going to be for the Son of Man to be glorified. So again, I ask the question, what are you willing to be or what are you willing to do that the Son of God could be glorified, that he could be magnified? Well, he tells the disciples, we're going to go back to Judea. And they say, but Rabbi, a short while ago, the Jews tried to stone you, and you're going to go back there? Jesus' answer is strange. Are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble they see by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble for they have no light. Jesus is saying, I know what I'm doing. I know where I'm going. And then he said, Our friend, Lazarus, has fallen asleep. But I'm going there to wake him up. Now, wait a minute. Jesus now refers to Lazarus as the universal friend, our friend. All of the disciples are included. He is our friend. Jesus would only speak the truth. He would not speak hyperbole. This man, Lazarus, is so humble before God and before man that even though he is considered by all of them to be a dear and precious friend, Matthew, Mark, nor Luke even speak about this man. And yet this is, without a doubt, going to be one of the greatest miracles performed by Jesus. Lazarus is playing out the same role that Jesus played out, that we might understand what Jesus did. Well, he's not an atonement. Jesus was our atonement. But Lazarus is walking through what Jesus walked through. He is modeling for everyone what he's about to do for all of humanity. But Lazarus is not considered by Matthew, Mark, or Luke as significantly important enough to be included in their Gospels. It's only John who goes to the deeper meaning of everything. And to John, we find this glorious 11th chapter of John talking about Lazarus. Our friend, Lazarus, has fallen asleep. I'm going there to wake him up. Disciples argue. They say, But Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. For your sake... I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe but let us go to him. Now, please catch this. Lazarus gets sick and dies and it's for the purpose that the disciples could finally have every doubt assuaged in their heart. That they could finally fully believe and Jesus uses this humble friend who passionately loves Jesus. And he doesn't even ask Lazarus' permission. What are you willing to let God do with your life? Are you willing to be nobody? Willing to lay your life down and no longer be considered as important? Is it okay if you are shunned and set aside and purposely ignored? Is that okay? Would you consider it appropriate to go about serving others but never to be mentioned and never to even be seen to be considered no one. This is Lazarus. And he's now dead. When Jesus arrives in Bethany, Lazarus had already been dead for four days. For the Jews, a man had to be in the grave for three days before he was officially and absolutely confirmed as dead. It's been four days. Now many Jews had come to see Martha and Mary and to comfort them in the loss of their brother. And when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she immediately went out to meet him. Mary, on the other hand, didn't hear that Jesus was coming and she stayed in the house weeping. Martha said to Jesus, If you'd been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said, Your brother will rise again. Oh, I know, Martha said, he will rise again at the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die do you believe this no she didn't understand any of that it went right over her head she said yes Lord I believe that you are the Messiah that's all she could say but I want you to see something Lazarus will have no accusation against Jesus he's the one who's sick and died but Martha and Mary both accuse Jesus saying, if you'd just been here, like, if you just loved us enough, you would have taken care of us, Jesus. The attitude on the inside is, look, Jesus, we're important people, and you didn't take care of us. There's pride. There's pride. And there's an edge of anger. These are the scars that afflict every person and they must be dealt with. And the only way they can be dealt with is by giving up being somebody. Give up our demands and entrust ourselves fully to Jesus. Now she goes and calls Mary. Mary goes quickly. She sees Jesus. She's broken hearted. She falls at his feet. And she says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. In other words, we sent you a message, Jesus, but you didn't come quickly enough. Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who'd come along with her also weeping. And he was deeply moved. His spirit was troubled. Why? Because he saw the pain and anguish, and he suffers with every human person in their pain and in their anguish. He loves human beings. He loves you. And God knows the suffering of your heart. And he wants you to trust him. It's not going to end in death. Jesus asks, Where have you laid him? Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus then begins to weep. And this is not a few tears trickling down his face. In absolute brokenness, he wails, he loudly cries. His heart is broken. Now I've wondered what was it that made Jesus weep. Well, the Jews thought they knew what made him weep. They said, see how he loved him. It was common knowledge that Jesus loved Lazarus. Even though Lazarus was not respected by men, Because of his humble heart. His self-effacing spirit. His lack of pushing himself forward into leadership. See how he loved him. But then some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Again, judgments against Jesus. All this... This scar that that Dante speaks about, that Bunyan speaks about, that Solomon speaks about. This thing is so real. The pride and the envy and the anger. Judgments. We see it everywhere in the word. Now I want to suggest to you that there may be another reason why Jesus is weeping. I don't know. But I believe that when Lazarus died as a holy man, he ascended into the heavenlies. He barely had time to receive his his crown and his harp and to be given that beautiful mansion he was to live in He barely had time to begin to commune with the others who were already there ahead of him. But suddenly, in my mind, I see Gabriel coming. Lazarus, Lazarus, sir, would you come here a minute? Lazarus walking over to where Gabriel speaks quietly, and he says, the master needs you to come back. And I wonder if Lazarus said, You mean I can't stay here? I have to go back to that wicked place. Yes. Yes, Lazarus. Jesus needs you to come back. It's for his glory. Will you do it for your love for Jesus? And I can see the tears come in Lazarus' eyes as he says, I will do anything for Jesus. I will go anywhere for Jesus. I love him. I will go back. Jesus comes to the tomb. Once more deeply moved. He's weeping. He certainly can't be weeping because Lazarus is dead because he knows he's the life and he knows he's going to restore that life on earth to Lazarus. So he must be crying either because he feels so deeply the pain of Mary and Martha and the others or because he feels so deeply the pain of Lazarus' heart as he is to return and take up his place and battle for the kingdom of God. We're not told whether he was in that upper room. But I suspect he was when Pentecost came. The burial place was a... There was a stone laid across the entrance. You had to stoop down on your knees in that day to enter a tomb. And Jesus said, take away the stone. But Lord, I think Jesus must become so tired. Even today, I think Jesus must become so tired at his people saying, but Lord, but Lord, you can't do this to me. But Lord, you have to deliver me. But Lord. Lord. I can't lay my life down that way. But Lord, will you rescue me? But Lord, but Lord, but Lord. Oh, could we just get rid of all the buts? Could we stop walking in the lack of sacrificial love for Jesus? Could we lay it all down on the altar for Jesus? Could we lay our lives down and step out of our lives and let Jesus just have us? Could we stop fighting with one another, insulting one another? Could we stop making accusations against Jesus and against one another? Could we stop judging one another? Could we just let the love of Jesus possess our hearts and in humility consider others to be greater than ourselves? Jesus wept. I think Jesus wept for Lazarus having to come back to earth. I think Jesus wept for the sorrow of his disciples. And I think Jesus wept because he saw the pride and the envy and the anger in every man and every woman's heart. And he knew that they would have to let go of that if they were to enter into the kingdom of God. You cannot enter the kingdom of God with pride and envy and anger in your heart. It must be removed by the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. Cost him Calvary to remove these scars from your life and your heart. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor for he's been there four days. Oh, Jesus, we don't want any stink. We don't want any trouble. We don't want anything unseemly to happen. After all, we have our pride. Oh, my brother, my sister. What utter foolishness flowing from our hearts to try to tell God what he can and can't do with us and with our loved ones and with our families. You know, I'm so tired of my opinions. I am more and more learning to keep my opinions to myself. For my opinions don't matter. I recently, had a conversation about a a certain political figure. Everyone was giving their opinion about what they thought about this political figure. And it was not complimentary. My spirit was so overcome. For How often I have ventured my opinion about someone in public life simply based on what I hear in the news. Knowing that almost all of the news is fake news. It's not real. It's the narrative it's the image wanted to be portrayed it's it's a lie i don't trust the mainstream media i don't trust much media at all i trust what the holy spirit speaks into my heart in the prayer closet i trust what jesus says do this do that don't go there don't don't think that way I accept those rebukes from my Lord because I love him and my life belongs to him. Martha is all concerned that Lazarus is going to stink. Well, should we just leave him in the tomb, Martha, or do you want your brother to come out? Often until we're willing to give up our opinions, the work of Jesus Christ is blocked in our lives. We think we know what we're supposed to do and we think we know how we're supposed to do it and everybody else should agree with us that this is the way because, after all, I know. What utter foolishness. This is what Dante was speaking about. Pride, envy, anger. This is what Bunyan was speaking about. This is what Solomon was speaking about. I just wish Solomon had taken his own advice. But isn't that the way it often is? We have more truth in our heart than we live in our lives. So Jesus wept. Jesus rebukes Martha very kindly. Did I not tell you that if you believe, you would see the glory of God? Do you want to see the glory of God? Then you're going to have to let the blood of Jesus cleanse you of your pride and your envy and your anger because those three things especially will block the Holy Spirit in your life. Do you understand? Jesus wants to do a glorious resurrection in your life. He wants to call you from death into life. He wants to fill you with His glory, but He can't do that so long as you hold on to your pride and your envy and your anger. He can't do it for you. He is blocked by your attitudes and your opinions and your beliefs. Do you want to see the glory of God in your life? you want to see the glory of God in your family's life, then give up your attitudes. Give up your sin. Turn, turn, turn from the wickedness of your heart. All of us have this wickedness deeply scarred into the tissue of our life. But those scars must be healed by the blood of Jesus. Martha nodded to some men. They went and took away the stone. And Jesus humbly looks up to the Father. Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here that they might believe that you sent me. This is what it all comes down to. Will we believe that Jesus is the Messiah? Will we believe that Jesus is fully God and fully man and that his atonement was complete on the cross and that now the power of the blood can remove from our hearts The scars of the devil's knifing us with pride and envy and anger. The blood poisoned in our hearts can be replaced by the blood of Jesus. We can be restored and set free. When he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! Everyone stood with ah, Will he or will he not come out? Is this the Messiah or is this a false Messiah? There must have been a moment of absolute dead silence. Then the sound of shuffling reached their ears. And the dead man came out. His hands and his feet wrapped with strips of linen, a cloth around his face. The dead man emerges. Alive. Do you believe that Jesus can raise you from the dead? Do you believe that Jesus has the power to remove the the scars of pride and envy and anger from your heart? Do you believe that Jesus can make you like Lazarus, willing to do whatever's necessary for the glory of our God and our Savior Jesus? Take off the grave clothes and, and let him go. Many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary had seen what Jesus did. And they believed in him. But some went to the Pharisees. The Pharisees did not respond well. The Sanhedrin, they said, if we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him and then the Romans will come and take away both our temple and our nation. So the temple and the nation were more important to these people than God himself. They worshipped. He knew not whom they worshipped. Caiaphas, who was the high priest that year, spoke up and said, I don't know anything. You don't realize that it's better for you that this one man die for the people than for the whole nation to perish. My, this wicked man was able to speak a prophecy. From that day forward, they plotted how they could take his life. So that Jesus could no longer move around publicly. We're after. But six days before the Passover, Jesus once more came to Bethany where Lazarus lived. Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served. I want you to notice the most amazing thing. While Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him, Never before are we told that Lazarus reclined at the table with Jesus. I think he was much too busy taking care of all the background stuff that had to be taken care of for the dinner to be held. But this time, Lazarus reclines at the table with Jesus. Now, still Lazarus is not asking to be someone. He's not asking for the right or the left hand of Jesus. Verse 9, or 12. Meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there and came not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus. Never once in the Gospels does a crowd ever come to see Peter. No crowd ever comes to see John, or Matthew, or Bartholomew, or any of the other disciples, Andrew. No crowd ever comes to see these disciples. Oh, they come to see Lazarus. Why? Because the glory of Jesus was filling Lazarus with life. He had been brought from death to life. The scars of pride and envy and anger were not in his heart. He had been raised from the dead. So the chief priests now made plans to kill Lazarus as well. For on account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and believing in him. Please hear me. crowds were not coming and believing in Jesus because of Peter until after Pentecost and that's when Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit this is before Pentecost and crowds are coming and they are believing on Jesus because they've seen Lazarus we must be raised from the dead before crowds will come to jesus because of us we must be changed into the likeness of jesus we must become like jesus it was jesus like humble self-effacing Filled with compassion, with mercy, with love. There are a few scattered references, Jewish records, about Lazarus after he was resurrected. They all point to Lazarus as being still a self-effacing, humble, obedient servant of Jesus filled with love for this man, Jesus. It's recorded. Whether it's true or not, I don't know, but the Orthodox Church holds that Lazarus became a bishop and was powerful in deed and word, in abject humility before God. Lazarus Is my hero who walks beside Jesus. He was not full of bombast. He was not full of self. He had by the grace of God all of the pride and envy and anger removed. And I wonder what it was like Lazarus to come back to this dark world after he had seen the glories of heaven. I wonder what it was like for Lazarus to come back and serve his sisters. I wonder what it was like to come back into a world filled with the rage and the envy and the pride of men. It must have made him weep. I wonder if he spoke about what he saw in those four short days where he was able to be in the realm of glory. For he knows that the realm of glory is his home, and now he's eager to return to that place. I suspect if he was martyred that he went quickly and willingly to his martyrdom. For he knew he would soon be back with his true family. Lazarus is a hero. He is unsung. He is not recognized by anyone except by Jesus. The scriptures say that Jesus loved him. I want Jesus to say I love Ray Greenlee. Do you want Jesus to say that about you? Do you want Jesus the freedom to spend your life any way he chooses? Is your life a blank check and you have given Jesus the right, the divine right? to spend you any way he might choose to spend you. Are you willing to lay aside all of your plans, all of your ambitions? Are you willing to lay aside all of your anger, your envy, your pride? Are you willing to lay all of that at the cross and step out of your life can only happen is the miracle of grace that Jesus will do in your heart. Are you willing for him to do that? Will you let him do that in you? Almighty God, I thank you for this glorious story of Lazarus. I thank you, Lord, that his heart overflowed with love for you that he was willing to be used in whatever manner you needed to use him. I'm grateful that he was willing to return from glory to come and re-enter that dead body by which he glorified your name. Lord, I thank you for this man. And I pray today for every man and every woman for whom, Jesus, you would weep and you would love and you would use to glorify your name in the earth. Lord, grant that this may be so. Let every man and every woman make the decision to stop their rebellion now, to give up their anger now to give up their envy and their pride now and say, Lord Jesus, nothing matters except that you use me for your glory and the glory of your kingdom. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. You're listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm very grateful that you've been with me today. I pray this message has touched your heart as it has mine. I'd like to hear from you, to hear your testimony. You can write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Virginia, 22195. That's National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia. 22195. I apologize today. YouTube was not available to us, so we could not use the video. But you can go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com, and this message will be in the audio form on our webpage. You can also donate at the webpage by going nationalprayerchapel.com and just click on the donate button. God bless you, my brother, my sister. I'm praying for you and for revival in this city. I'll talk to you soon
1: of His glory.